And also, as we read this scripture, I want you to hear how the rich fool prays. Some would say he doesn't pray. He certainly does pray. Let's listen to how he prays. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on guard against all types of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I want to... Thank you, those of you who heard that this was a stewardship sermon and you showed up anyway. I appreciate that very much. And for those of you who just didn't know and you showed up anyway, uh, it's not going to hurt that bad. A man came to see Peter Marshall, and uh, you may have learned or heard about Peter Marshall. He was a Presbyterian minister who also, for a time, served as the chaplain to the U.S. Senate. And the man came to Marshall and said, I have a problem tithing even though I have a large income. I used to tithe regularly some years ago, but now I have uh, earned so much money. I make $500,000 a year, and there is just no way that I can afford to give a full tithe because that would be 10%, and that would mean I would give $50,000. I just can't do that. Marshall said, I can certainly see your problem. Let's pray about it. So Marshall bowed his head and prayed, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would reduce this man's salary back to the place that he can afford to tithe. Like the rich fool, the man in Peter Marshall's office had come to believe in the lie that more is better. He was rich toward himself, and he had no room or no need for God, or so he thought. 
Jesus tells this parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, and then immediately after that, Jesus begins to teach his disciples not to worry. Don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you will wear. God cares for the lilies of the field. So surely God will care for us as well. And so in the context of stewardship and giving money to the church, this is especially helpful, I think. We are not to worry about the resources that we have. We are not to worry about the resources that we have individually or even as a church. And we do not worry for a very good reason. God has blessed this congregation in so many ways. God has been so rich toward us. And we have all that we need to carry out the ministry that God intends for us to carry out. So let that be point number one for this stewardship moment. Do not worry. Worry leads to greed. Don't strive for more and more as if more will satisfy you and bring you a more peaceful sleep. Jesus ends his teaching by saying, no, you strive first for the kingdom. And then all these other things, even money, that will come. Secondly, I want to talk about money and your giving to the church because it is healthy to do so. Money is just money, and there is no reason that as we cross the threshold of the church that we can no longer discuss money. Jesus talked about money more than he did any other topic except for the kingdom of God. And he often related the two discussions because he knew that money is often a hindrance for us to be able to experience and fully live into the kingdom of God. Sometimes we say that an idol is something that you talk about all the time. But an idol can also be something that you never talk about. So let's make sure that money is not an idol in this church. Instead, think about money. Think about how you regard your money and how you handle your money as a spiritual discipline. Your thinking about money is just like the way that you pray, reading the Bible, your Sabbath-keeping, your ministry of hospitality. It's all part of discipleship, growing up in Christ. We wouldn't expect for good Christian folk not to talk about prayer, so neither should we ban money talk from church. Disciples are those who grow up in Christ, and we acknowledge that Christ is the Lord over all of our life, every aspect of our life, and that includes our money. So thirdly, I hope that you will hear this point as well, that you are a generous people. You are rich toward God. You are rich toward your community. 
You already give faithfully to this church. And yes, stewardship is more than money. It is also the way that you give your time. It is also the way that you give your gifts and your skills and your talents. And you do that very well also. But your giving to the church financially has sustained this congregation for many years. And there is no reason that that's going to change. Even in years when the session has approved what we call a deficit budget with a large faith line, guess what? We have always been able to pay our bills. We have been able to keep the building maintained. And most importantly, we do all of that to provide ministries that change lives. Because that's why we're here. And even as the late Joy Mullins said so faithfully, Every time this church has stepped out in faith, that the money has always been there. It's always worked out. What a faithful statement. So furthermore, if we want to talk about our financial situation, why don't we start with the positive? We have a wonderful property, a great location with plenty of room. We have no debt. We have money in the bank, and we have everything that we need. Which takes us back to what Jesus is saying. So don't worry about God taking care of you, because that's a foregone conclusion. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Of course, we used to sing in uh, the church I grew up in, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So if Jesus doesn't want us to live a life of worry, and if Jesus is teaching us, uh, doesn't want us to be... uh, consumed with greed like that rich fool, and I certainly don't think we have rich fools here. And if money is just money, and if we're already a generous congregation, what do we do now? Well, after my discussions with the stewardship team and with the session, here are some items that I would offer to you for your prayerful consideration with the goal that we are rich toward God. So when we talk about money, first goal would be that you give to the church, not because the church needs your money, but because you need to give. Giving money away makes people feel good. And don't you want to feel good? So don't look at your giving to the church as an obligation as something that you need to do to check off your list of things to do. Looking at it as the same way that you look at your prayer life or loving your neighbor, that neighbor with the barking dog. You know, giving money away will change who you are and it will allow God to work through you. Giving money away, to say it another way, makes your soul rich. Secondly, when you give, give sacrificially. Follow the 
Roland Adams model, which he got from the Bible, which means that your giving to the church is the first check or the first online transaction that you do each month. And then you live on what is remaining. The language that is so common in the Bible about first fruits means that we decide to give to God our first and our best rather than waiting to see if there are any leftovers for God at the end of the month. So giving sacrificially means also that work towards a tithe, which is a full 10% of what I would say take-home pay. And I always recommend working up in increments. And I'm talking mainly to those of you who are working, have the capacity to bring home a check, not those who are retired or on a fixed income. But let's say that you gave 1% of your take-home pay last year. And so this year you might consider to dedicate 2% to the Lord and plan on increasing one percentage point each year until you get to 10%. What I have found in my own life is that working toward a tithe forces me to prioritize my life. If I am in a situation where I cannot give 10%, then I know that something is off kilter within my own life. So I, for instance, know that I need to pay off some debt. Or perhaps I can't have that new car that I wanted to get. I'll have to get Uh, new tires instead. Giving money away forces me, and I think that this is the testimony of all of you who give so faithfully, that giving money away forces us to live within our means, and it relieves, therefore, a ton of anxiety. Dealing with percentages, 1%, 5%, 10%, that Uh, It's convenient because if your income goes up, then you adjust your giving accordingly. If your income goes down, you adjust your giving down as well. Or if you don't like dealing with percentages, set a benchmark to match what others in the church are doing. For example, the average pledge so far that we have received in this church for 2014 right now is just about $4,000 per year. So you can work towards that as your own goal. And if that is too much for you, then try to at least get over that $1,000 mark. For those of us who are working full-time, those not those who are retired or perhaps on a fixed income, a minimum of $1,000 per year is a good benchmark to shoot for. Some people find it helpful to complete a pledge card as a way of saying to yourself, I'm really committed to do this, I'm going to see it through. Others do not find filling out a pledge card that helpful. Let me just say that vital churches which focus on discipleship for all people in their congregation in every aspect of life, and vital congregations which talk about money in healthy and productive ways, those churches don't have stewardship campaigns. Leaders that aspire to vitality don't ask committed disciples to fill out a form because it's unnecessary and even might insult them for asking for too little. 
So for the next five years, if you as a church decide to focus on training everyone who comes in those doors to be committed disciples, to view financial giving as a spiritual discipline, to give sacrificially, and to increase incrementally your giving each year, and to give out of a sense of abundance and joy, then in five years or maybe even less, this church won't have to have stewardship campaigns. We'll still be able to talk about money. It's not that. It's just that you can completely do away with pledge cards and know that committed, faithful disciples will make the ministry of Christ happen in this place each and every year, year in and year out. This is a very conceivable five-year goal should you choose to accept it. Until then, if you complete a pledge card, do it humbly and uh, sacrificially give money joyfully out of a sense of abundance for all of God's goodness to you. But don't think that filling out a pledge card is your ticket to heaven. And if you don't complete a pledge card, make sure that you're not doing it, trying to avoid some conversation that God is trying to have with you. So no matter what you do, giving, give, give your money knowing that your giving will set your life on the right track. Not only will it make you feel good, but it will make you rich toward God. And being rich toward God will give you peace of mind. In fact, giving money away is actually a liberation We can even call it a salvation, if you will, because giving money away frees us from the tyranny of being possessed by our possessions. And if you believe in this church's mission, if you believe in the church's leadership, and if you believe that this church is fiscally responsible and will handle your money responsibly, then you will give your money here. Because giving to the church, any church, the churches are charged with something that all other nonprofit organizations, whether they still may be doing good work and God's work, but the preparation disciples of passing on the story of Jesus, that is a particular charge given to church. So if you do these things, I believe it will change your life. I also believe it will change this church. And when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about. Change, transformation, the new life that we have been so generously offered through Jesus Christ. Amen.